San Francisco who felt a burden for this apartment complex because in the apartment complex, it was people in deep need. It was housing for people that had serious needs. Many of them had no employment whatsoever. And so he and his wife got together and they began to prepare some meals. Now, when I say meals, think PBJ, like sandwiches, things like that. And, and they went and they decided we're going to drop food off at every single apartment. So they did that. And then after they, they fed that apartment, they had such a burden to continue to make a difference because if you step back and look at it, it's not hard to see that there's a whole lot of need in this world. In fact, often the, the vast volume of need that there is sort of paralyzes us from doing anything. We feel so overwhelmed. He and his wife decided to do a 40-day water-only fast and seek God and ask God to somehow provide a way that he could continue to meet the needs of the people in this apartment complex, which was not a small complex. On the 40th day, he got a phone call from a group of businessmen that said, we want to meet with you. He went in and he met with them, and when he met with them, they said to him, we have been praying for 20 years that someone would feel a burden for that complex. And through you, God has answered our prayer. And they started handing him checks. So much so that he bought the complex. And then he and his wife began to minister to those people. But, but, but shortly after he bought the complex, the building next door, a guy bought it. And they found out he's going to turn it into a strip club. And so this man approached him and said, hey, man, th this is an apartment complex. There are a lot of little kids here. It's like, you know, is there? And the guy said, well, you can buy it from me. But he didn't have the resources. So he took a lawn chair and a sleeping bag and went to the courthouse. And he didn't talk to anybody. He didn't throw a fit. He didn't carry a big sign saying, hey, we hate you. You're bad. None of that. He did another 40-day fast. Just asking God to somehow move. On the 38th day, he got noticed. The man that was going to open the strip club dropped dead. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. Don't laugh. No, seriously, that, that's tragic. But there is a unique element, and I want to talk to you this morning about something that is rarely talked about in church. We find it over and over again in Scripture, but it's, it, it's part of what Scripture teaches, and yet in, in many of our lives, it could be missing. And it's this idea of fasting. What does that look like in your life? What, what would that look like in my life? Because we find over and over again in the pages of Scripture. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying if there's somebody you don't like, I'm going to fast and God's going to kill them. That, that's not what I'm saying. That's not the point of the story. But are you, if you're a Christ follower, are you spiritually stuck? As we think about being at the beginning of a new year and a new decade, and we're finishing up this series, The Art of the Start, we've done everything we can in these few weeks, in this first month, to pour into you some things that will shape not only your year, but your next decade. If you take the things we've talked about so far this month, and if God leads you to what we're going to talk about this morning, the you of a year from now, the you of 10 years from now, will give the you of today a standing ovation. We've tried to pour into you in a way that it sets you up to live the best life you've ever lived in this new year, in this new decade. 
Because a, a passion of mine is I, I would love to see every single person live the life. All of us live the life God created us to live. And you read things in the New Testament about what God did, but yet so often in our lives today, in contemporary society, it seems to be absent. I mean, have you ever seen God just part a sea so you can walk across it? Have you ever seen food just drop from heaven and feed you for days and days and days and days? Have you ever seen a dead person come back to life? Have you ever watched someone with leprosy right in front of you healed instantaneously? And because we haven't, we value those things often on the same level as fairy tales. But what if there's a way to go deeper? What, what if there's a way, and, and by deeper, I don't mean head knowledge. Listen, there are a lot of people that have a lot of head knowledge. There are a lot of people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. All they think about and talk about is what you should do and how you should do because they've read this and they know that and they're an expert on everything they read. Hey, mind your own business. You take care of you, Jethro. I got me and it's between me and God. But, but do you feel stagnant? Do, do you feel like when you pray, do you pray with a confidence that God is hearing you? Do you sense the presence of God in your life? Do you know what it is for God to speak to you and lead you and give you wisdom? Have you experienced what comes only through the supernatural, the ability to forgive someone that does not deserve forgiveness at all? Do you wrestle with those things? So as we begin a new beginning, in a new year, new decade, there's some questions that often as Christ followers we ask. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, man, we want you to know you're welcome here. We're thrilled you're here. And you're going to get to listen in this morning on what we believe Scripture teaches about this subject that's very rarely talked about in church. But as Christ followers, we often ask, how can I be closer to God? How can I sense His presence? How can I have big prayers answered? Are you tired of praying small prayers? What if God could answer the big prayers? And we don't bother asking God for the big things because we're afraid He might not answer. Then we'll be upset with God, and then we'll wonder if He's really even there. Or maybe you prayed for something big and it didn't happen. You don't try that anymore. Let's pray for safe things like, God, please bless this food. Now, I've seen some of the stuff y'all eat. Can he bless that? Can he really bless that? I don't know. Taco Bell at dark 30, I'm not sure. But how can I be closer to God? How can I sense his presence? How can I have big prayers answered? If you could pray the biggest prayer, the greatest need in your life, and God would guarantee to answer it, what would it be? How could I experience his power? Are you tired of the struggle to live under your own power? And I understand some of you, you're, you're self-made and you think, I got this, I got this. I created everything I've got. Who, who do you think gave you the talent and the wisdom and the smarts to do what you've done? Who gives you the next breath of oxygen in your lungs? You've spent your life relying on what you can do and somewhere you were hurt and it taught you to believe that it's all up to you, but what if it's not? What if there's a God that deeply loves you and it's not too late? How can I live in his blessings? How can I be used more by him? And, and all of the questions we ask really are summed up in one question. How do I connect with Jesus in a deeper way? How, how do I experience that intimacy with God? How do I experience that, that closeness in a relationship with God? If you're spiritually stagnant, 
Or if you look at your life and it looks really no different than the person that doesn't say they're a follower of Christ. If you look at your family and it's really no different than maybe a neighbor who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. If it is possible to have a relationship with a living God, shouldn't that change us? Shouldn't that make us different? Oh, not where we're proud of ourselves and upset with everybody else. No, 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 no. If you've really been transformed by the power of God, what you're going to find is you're not going to spend your life putting down people. You're going to spend your life building up people. What you're going to find is that every single person you and I lock eyes with is deeply loved by God. When you meet people that are highly religious and judgmental and critical of other people, they may be religious, but I'm not sure they know God in a personal way. Because when you've met Jesus, listen, you love what Jesus loves. There's a chihuahua in my home because I love my bride and she loves the chihuahua. I can't stand her, but actually I love her because my bride loves her. When you love Jesus, you love what Jesus loves and Jesus loves people. So how do I connect with Jesus in a deeper way? How how do I make sure my spiritual growth is is accelerated? How How do I go further, faster in my relationship with God? And what if what I'm doing now won't get me there? Or what if what I'm doing now will take 30 years, but what if there's a way to accelerate that and what could take 30 years take three months? The book of Ezra, we read this verse. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. What's interesting about the subject of fasting is you find it 77 times throughout the Bible. Now, I think God, he's a big God. I think if God says something one time, we need to pay attention. If he addresses it 77 times, then there's something unique about this. Now, some of you were here last week, and we did the 90-day tithing challenge. And at the end, I asked you to commit to 90 days of tithing. I want to let you off the hook right now. At the end of the day, I'm not going to ask you to do 90 days of fasting. I'm not going to do that. You don't have to worry. Because a biblical fast, a biblical fast is water only. Sometimes you might meet people that say, I'm taking a break from social media. I'm fasting social media. That's cool. Maybe God would lead you to do that, but that's not a biblical fast. Or, or, you know what, I'm not going to watch Netflix as much. I'm going to fast from that. That's all. Maybe you need to do that. Check your screen time on your phone. Maybe you need to do that. But, But that's not a biblical fast. Biblical fasting is where we depend on God, we seek God. And in place of eating, we spend time praying and reading his word. We open up clearer channels to hear from God, and it connects us in a unique way. And it provides something. It's interesting, on one occasion, Moses was fasting. I believe it's in Exodus chapter 34, 35, somewhere there. Moses is fasting, spending time with God, and he comes down off the mountain, and it says his face was shining because he'd been in the presence of God. Would the people around you, would the people in your home say, man, you... You've been in the presence of God. And what God's doing in your life, it's all over you. See, we get caught up in what we get caught up in, which is we get caught up in, and the social media culture sort of drives this a little bit. And I'm a fan of social media. I'm not down on social media. If you're a guest, you've not come to one of those churches where we bash things that everybody else is doing. That's not who we are. I think there's some huge advantages to what social media can accomplish. But it's very easy to fall into the trap of chasing what people like over what God likes. And hey, listen, if you're living in such a way that you're chasing what God likes, what you're going to discover 
is that the light that shines in you will be brighter than the light that shines on you, and you will have influence in people's lives, and God will use you. Is your pursuit the light that shines on you and who can see you and who can notice you and who can follow you and who can like your stuff? Listen, listen, listen. Adults, let me help you a minute. Adults, if you've gone on social media, you're not going to get 8 zillion likes for a picture of a, sco- of, of a shoestring like a middle school girl. I, I mean, it's amazing. Teenagers, you put up anything, even bad pictures, 8 billion likes. Adults, you're not going to get that. That's just not what it is. Don't even chase that. Pursue, pursue the light that God can put in you and that will overcome and help you sustain any light that might be on you. That's our pursuit. So what are your greatest needs? What is that thing that you've prayed for for a long time that God's never done? What is the thing that you feel like is is sort of interrupting your relationship with God? That thing that, that you've been talking to God about or asking God about, and maybe it's been a long time since you've even prayed about it because he just hadn't come through, and, and now you feel some kind of way toward God. You, you try to push it aside, and you act like it's not a big deal, and you try to move on, and you're here, but, but there's that thing. Did you know there's a place in the New Testament where Jesus said, hey, this kind will only come out by prayer and fasting? So what is fasting? Very practically, what is fasting? We, we know it's water only. But what is fasting? First, fasting is humbling ourselves before God. It's saying, God, you are God and I am not. I, I want to humble myself before you. It's a sign that, God, I need you. Now, some of you are health fanatics, and I, I can already hear this. You're saying, well, wait, 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 though. If you just drink water, isn't your body going to consume your muscle? Come on, Jack. If God invented this, you think it's all right? I mean, science has a way of being behind and always catching up with God eventually. And science is starting to do that, and they're saying, no, that doesn't happen at all. In fact, your natural human growth hormone is actually increased during fasting. But humbling ourselves before God, it's putting myself in a position of saying, God, I I need you. I need you so much, I'm going to go above and beyond and and seek you in this way. Now, here's the interesting thing about fasting. Every single Christ follower should pray. But fasting is optional. Not necessarily, you only fast if God specifically calls you to a fast. And I'll talk about what that means. Fasting is also an act of worship. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we're to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. There's something that happens in a supernatural way. I don't understand it. I just trust God and choose to believe him because he's never been wrong. There's something that happens in a supernatural way when I give up the physical and pursue the spiritual. There's something that takes place as an act of worship. God, I'm doing this as an act of worship, of of putting you first and seeking you. Fasting is also beneficial but not required. So some of you this morning, as we talk about this, I heard this after the first service. There were a number of people who said, you know what? I feel like God is really calling me to a fast. But not everybody. And and if, if God does not specifically call you and invite you, and when he does, there will be a very specific reason. And maybe you already know it. It's that thing you've tried to pray about that hasn't happened. Or maybe there's something new that God brings to your mind. If God doesn't call you to a fast, you have nothing to feel guilty for. This is beneficial but not required. The other thing fasting does that that is absolutely unique is fasting gets us ready for God's answer. It gets us ready for God's answer. Sometimes people view fasting as, okay, well, I'm going to basically starve myself, drink water only, and and maybe God will somehow do what I want him to do. By the way, if you're not praying, you're not fasting. 
The idea of fasting is I'm using that time that I would be eating to seek God and to read his word. If you're not doing that part, you're, not fast. you're on a water diet, but you're not fasting. But fasting doesn't manipulate God to do what we want him to do. Fasting gets us ready for God's answer. Fasting gets us prepared for what God's going to do. Often, it prepares us like King David was fasting that God would let his little son live and his son died. And after that, David said, I'm going to worship God. I thought perhaps God would hear me. Fasting prepares our hearts for what's coming. And then there are those moments that fasting blows our minds with what God wants to do. Because the more my heart is ready for what God has for me, the faster I'm going to get there. And then fasting is giving up something perfectly good so we can have more of God. Food is not bad. Some food's bad. Some food's bad. Some of y'all need to stop it. Some food's bad. But, but healthy food, food's not bad. This is, about, this is not about giving up bad for good. It's giving up something perfectly good so we can have more of God. So the question is, do you want more of God? If he doesn't call you to a fast, you can still have that this year. Absolutely, as you pursue him, as you spend time with him each day. But if he calls you to a fast, if, if you sense in your spirit, man, this is something God wants me to do, then he's setting you up for something really, really special that he wants to do in your life. And the only way you miss it, just like anything else, the only way I miss it when it comes to God is if we don't obey what he's asking us to do. Joel chapter 2 says this, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and your, your spiritual relationship has been stagnant for quite some time. You remember a time where you were excited about your faith. You remember a time where you, you just sensed that you were closer to God. And it's, it's not about a feeling, it's about a knowing. Don't chase feelings. They go up and down. And they will put you on the emotional roller coaster to the capital of cray-cray. Don't chase feelings. But this sense of, man, I, I just sense God in me. I'm watching him work. I'm watching him open doors of opportunities to speak to people, invite people, love people, be concerned for people. As God does that, but maybe it's been a long time. And you would say, man, I, I know I'm a Christ follower. I remember when I committed my life to him. But it's been a long time since I've sensed anything, God do anything in my life. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Maybe God would call you to a fast just to come back to him. Jesus did say of one of the churches in Revelation, the entire church, you've left your first love. Could it be that other things have slid into first place? And Jesus doesn't come first. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. It doesn't really matter what you do on the outside. You might be the best looking person here on the outside. Jesus called it whitewashed tombs early in Matthew with the religious leaders. They knew the part. They knew when to pray, when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel. And they fasted and they did everything right on the outside. But it's not about the outside. It's about the heart. It's about what God wants to do in your life. Your, your tomb, your body can be whitewashed, can look really good on the outside and be rotten on the inside. Return to the Lord your God, for he is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. You know what that phrase abounding in love means? It's unlimited. You can't measure it. You, you can't put it in a box. You can't even contain it in a city. Abounding love is, is unlimited, overflowing, endless love. What that means is God's love is deeper than your greatest shame. God's mercy is bigger. His grace is wide enough to handle anything you've walked through. 
Sometimes we view God, some of you thought that God woke up this morning mad at you. Some of you think God wakes up that way every day. You look at your life, you look at your experiences, and you think, man, I know me. There's no way God could like me. There's no way God could love me. But what if he does? Because he does. Because he's God. From the moment you're born, I believe God is in a hot pursuit of you and of me. He's a loving God. That's why he gave Jesus when we walked through communion a few moments ago. That's why he gave his son, because he loves you. And he relents from sending calamity. God wants to bless you. Now, God is a God of judgment for those who don't obey him, for those who don't follow him, but but God wants to bless you. And then we read these words in Matthew chapter 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. Maybe for you it's fasting. God would call you that to that because maybe he's not first place in your life. That happens to all of us. That's happened in my life. It happens in your life. And maybe that's something God would call you to. Maybe he's not calling you to fasting. He's calling you just to, to seek him. This verse doesn't say fast and seek. It just says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, God could have stopped there. He's God. He could have just said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, period. But there's a comma. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What you're chasing that God has for you, the blessings you're chasing in your life, you want a better marriage, you want to be a better person, you want to be a more consistent father or mother, you want to have a healthy home life, you want to make sure in your career you're making a difference, you want to make sure you're financially stable and and you've got everything you need, all the things you want. God says, if you'll stop chasing that and start chasing me, all that comes along with me. But seek first his kingdom. Are you seeking his kingdom first? And his righteousness. There's not a day I don't screw up. But did you know the Bible says that no matter how fouled up and broken I am, that when God looks at me, he looks at me through the righteousness of Jesus. And the shed blood of Jesus is what makes me in right relationship with God. It's nothing that I can do. Nothing at all. When you think about God sacrificed his son for us. Is he calling you to sacrifice for a day, a few days, and fast for a very specific purpose and reason? If he calls you to it, if he invites you to it, you'll know the reason and you'll know how long. If not, could we all seek him more this year? Could we all seek him more in this decade? I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to ask you, how many of you would say today, man, I I want to seek God more in this this year. I want to seek God more in this decade. I want to sense his power and presence in my life. And maybe for you that's fasting. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. But I just, I, I just want more of God in my life. Or maybe there's some other need in your life. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I would love to be able to pray for you. On the last Sunday of the first month of a brand new year and a brand new decade. You'd say, Byron, man, there's something I used to pray about that I'm, I stopped, but I want to pray about it again. Or maybe there's something new in your life that's taking place. If you'd say, man, would you please pray for me? 
Would you just lift your hand up and put it down right where you are? Lift it high and put it down right where you are. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Wow. I want to ask you to do something. Because I'd like to pray for you. And when I pray for you, I'd like to be close to you. Jesus walked among the crowd. And I'm not Jesus, but I know him. I talked to him this morning, and one of the things he reminded me is that he loves me and he loves you. So if you raised your hand, there's something you'd like for me to pray about. Would you slip out of your seat and come right up here? Just everybody get come right up here. Just say, excuse me, they'll let you back. We're not going to point you out. You don't have to say anything. I'm just going to pray. But if, but if you'd like me to pray for you, just come in and come as close as you can. Because if everybody comes that raise their hands, it's going to be a lot. Get as close as you can. Come on in. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. See, by stepping out of your seat and coming, you're saying, God, I need you. You're humbling yourself. What we just talked about. You're saying, God, you're God and I'm not. And God sees this morning every person that said, yeah, man, I, I, I need prayer. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every single person at the front of this room. Thank you for everybody in the room, but God, those at the front have come with a need. And while I don't know what those things are, you, you know every detail. You know every area of our lives in such an intimate way. Father, it took courage and a step of faith to come. And I believe you in heaven have noticed that. So, Father, I pray for those that came this morning simply because they need peace. They're walking through something. There are more questions than answers. They're plagued with doubt. They're losing sleep. They need your peace. Father, I thank you that your word tells us that you give us your peace. Jesus, you said you give us your peace, not as the world gives, but as you give, a peace that passes Anything we can understand, I thank you that peace can not only reside, but can reign and rule in the midst of a life that has questions. Pray for that. God, some have experienced some pain. Maybe are experiencing pain. Maybe that's emotional. Maybe it's physical. But Father, I pray that you would touch that in only a way that you can. I pray that you would restore us and our relationship with you and how we view ourselves. Father, I pray for the people at the front of this room that they would begin to see themselves as you see them, deeply loved by a holy God. Pray they would see what's available to them in a relationship with you. And Father, often that doesn't happen in a moment. Sometimes it does, but often that is a journey of faith as we grow closer to you day by day. So I pray for every person at the front that we would purpose to seek you, spend a little bit of time with you each day, get to know you better. Father, I pray for those who have financial struggles. We know your word says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We know that you have everything. You are our provider. You're our protector. Every good thing we have, Scripture says, comes from you. So, Father, I pray that you would work out the details when we cannot. I thank you that you've given us in your word the pattern of putting you first financially. And, God, sometimes that's so hard when we're in a, in a crisis mode. But, Father, I just believe that we will get out of that faster, bringing you what's yours and living on the 90% with your blessing and you actively involved in our lives that living on everything we have without you. 
blessing that area. Father, I pray for parents who are burdened about a child. Father's parents, we're, we're never happier than our most unhappy child. So I pray you'd give parents wisdom. I pray as they seek you, you'd show them the steps to take. Father, we recognize often it's going to be a day at a time. I pray for the children that may be troubled or discouraged or frustrated or parents that don't know what to do in the circumstance. I ask for your wisdom. Father, we know you love children. I pray that you would make that extremely evident in each one of those scenarios. Father, whatever these are walking through, whether they feel like they have a broken heart or a broken life or some feel like sometimes a broken mind, I pray that you would do what only you can do. You are God, and we need you. We desperately need you. Today, this year, Father, we need you. We thank you that your word tells us that we can come into your throne room in prayer with boldness and confidence, that you're a good father, a good God, and you invite us to share our needs with you. So, Father, as we walk through this week, I'm going to be praying for each of these that have come. I may not know their names, but you do. I pray you'd bless them this week. I pray your blessings on their lives, their families, their careers, their relationships, their health. We trust you. Our complete trust and confidence is in you and you alone. Thank you for being God. In Jesus' name.